1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from my fabulous friends. Hey, everybody, it is Adrian. And if you're listening to this sweet, sweet, silky smooth voice, you know what it is. You got yourself another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast, the Patreon exclusive, 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 exclusive edition. I learned something. Um, I saw this thing on TikTok. Uh, I'm going to introduce the guest in a second. They're just going to hang out for a hot second. I learned something on TikTok. It was an actor. And they said one practice that you can do in acting is to take it is to determine what your true kind of base resonance voice is. And so they say what you need to do and take a really deep breath, deep, deep, deep breath, inhale, all the way inhale into your groin. And then you need to exhale out and make a sighing sound and not and try not to intonate the pitch higher or lower. And whatever sound, whatever like resonance that comes out with is that should be like your speaking voice so here's i'm gonna do it you're gonna hear it in real time ready <sighs> so now this is really how i should be talking um so the rest of the podcast is just gonna be in in this kind of level and cadence and my editor's not gonna have any issues <laughs> anyway so that's just i just want you all to know that's my alter ego that's my jazz kind of like my smooth jazz radio dj alter ego Speaking of smooth, silky voices, I have a great opportunity today. I have a really special treat. I have an opportunity to speak to a special guest here, one of the Bad Apples, friend of the show, friend of mine. And I'm pleased to say uh, I have just partnered with this person as my new Dirty Rotten engineer slash associate producer. And I figured what a great opportunity for y'all to meet him. Let's get up for Josh Delbridge. Hello. What's up, guys? What's up, Adrian? What's up, buddy boy? Thank you so much for taking the time to to be on this uh, episode with me. Dude, for sure. I feel like we need to lay a little bit of a groundwork of how we met. And then we will get into kind of your story or or I'll let you tell or you can talk about your story and then we can jump into how we met. What do you think feels better? I think let's talk about how we met first. Okay. Because Great. that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Let's just do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So you originally hail from where? South Florida. Yeah. Broward County. Yay. <laughs> so I met you. What year was it, Delbridge? Oh, man. It had to have been 2013? Maybe? 2013. I think that's right. 2012? Yeah. Because I was a worship leader at a new church plant. But I like knew who you were. Oh, you were really? like one of those low-key worship leader celebrities oh. in the community. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, my reputation preceded me even Absolutely. in 2013. I was infamous. That's really funny. 
Yeah. So you reached out or something. I think you like reached out or you just swung by. I'm not sure. I showed you- up. So, so no name dropping, but I showed up with a pastor that you and I both knew that I was working with at the time. And uh, I think they were, they were speaking that day. Yes. Does his name start with a B? It does. Okay. I know exactly. <laughs> who got it. Got it. B for bullshitter. I'm just kidding. Well, He's a fine. He's a fine person. Maybe he was a bullshitter. I don't know him that well. Yeah. Verdicts out. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yes, no, I like showed up and you were frantically setting up worship as, as one does. As one you does. Setting up and tearing down every Sunday for your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I met you. I had the pleasure of meeting you. And then that was kind of it. I feel like we like yep. moved in many similar circles, but I don't think I ever... I don't think I spoke to you again. Well, we, and we've talked about it before, but like... We're like half a degree of separation from yes. each other. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in, the worship in the church world. In, in the church world, the worship community in any city you go to is only a few degrees of separation from everyone else within that city. So in the realm of South Florida, I feel like you kind of know everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know everyone I know. I know everyone you know. We've yeah. never spoken. I, I know your name <laughs> and probably more about you than I should for I've never met you. So yeah, I mean, meeting probably, you. So. Especially yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. All right. So that's how that happened. And then how did you discover the show like how did we do you remember how we met yeah so okay then maybe i will weave into my story a bit let's do it let's start from the top then let's lay the foundation and then (laughs) we're gonna do like a classic kind of we're gonna like tarantino it so we're gonna jump in and then we're gonna go back to the start and then we're gonna work all the way up to to present day that sound good love it awesome man so yeah tell me were you a church kid and if so what did that look like for you Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I was the evangelical parents wet dream. <laughs> Truly. Um, I was in private Christian school from the time of like birth to like seventh grade. So mm. deeply, deeply indoctrinated. And as like a neurodivergent ADHD human, like you dive into it. It's just everything. Cause it's all, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, I lived at youth group, like, It was my like I would stay as long as humanly possible Mm. so that my like youth pastor would have to drive me home. Oh, wow. What was it that kept you there? Did you just love it there? Were all your friends there or did you just not want to be home? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it was safer than Mm. my house, which Mm. um, says a lot. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it felt safer. And in a lot of ways, it was Um, it was not like super traumatic at first. Um, and there was a lot of really good friendships, friendships that I still have to this day, uh, that came out of it. But that being said, most of those people have kind of left or (laughs) find themselves in different places. So, but yeah, no, I was, I was most definitely a church kid. I was the kid that wore like not of this world clothing everywhere they went, like every day of high school. (laughs) Yeah. You wore the Jersey. I did, dude. Yeah. I was on the team. Did you have any like really good gimmicky shirts that you would like to, any any special ones? Did you have like a Jesus died for my space in heaven? Oh my God, yes. I actually had a shirt that people told me not to wear to high school. So there was one that was like, it was actually kind of badass. Like it, 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 it was this gun, but it had a dove coming out of it as the bullet. Cause you know, we're supposed to be peacemakers. It's super corny, but the art was cool. And Teachers are like, you can't wear a shirt with a gun on it. But I'm like, it, but it's G- Jesus. But it's a you Jesus know? gun. The, the entitlement. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So wore that a lot. Um, I was actually the president of First Priority. 
Are you familiar with that? I am familiar. <laughs> if you're the president, if you're the FPP, that's a pretty serious deal. Yeah. Was it that? Did you did you get grandfathered into the position by the outfits that you were wearing? They're like, oh shit. <laughs> yes, that was not of this the world. base criteria. No, <laughs> no, I was in the club for like four years. I was like all four years of high school mm. participating. Um, and I guess for because first priority is very specific to our area, but I find that a lot of not a lot of people know what it is. So sure. it's basically like Christian Bible club for students, for public like school. middle school, <laughs> yeah, public yes. school Bible club, public school Bible club, the coolest club of them all yeah which i felt like we were constantly dancing around what we could and could not do <laughs> what do you mean like as students we had freedom of religion so like but like teachers who wanted to be involved didn't necessarily have that option to like fully endorse it so there was sure. always like we always felt like we were doing something wrong <laughs> oh I, I bet you that added to like the bad like the feeling of badass you're like yeah oh yeah no we were we we were on a mission for jesus to we're save our entire high for school. the underground yeah, radicals. Yeah, and it, what was crazy, it was just like three Fridays out of the month, we would do just like normal Christian-y, youth group-y type stuff. Sure. And then on the fourth Friday, we would, the organization would pay for us to order pizza, like 40 pizzas, and that would be like, invite all your friends to come here, some random youth pastor. Would people, would you would you invite lost friends? Would they actually oh, come yeah. for the pizza? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It was really weird. Did any of them uh, accept their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into their hearts? Like two? And and, and <laughs> in, in the four years, yeah, and I was not so too happy bad. about okay. it. I mean, hey, listen, one soul, the yeah. angels were rejoicing. <laughs> no, they're and they're deconstructed now, so I guess it doesn't count. Know, but, right? <laughs> yeah, got it. Okay, so you were a church kid. You were the FPP. You were youth youth group as long as possible. Yes, around seventh grade, I started to realize. Around that time, I started to realize that oh, like I'm attracted to everyone. Mm. that's terrifying <laughs> as a church kid who's like at youth group three times a week and yeah just kind of lived that hashtag double life you know where i was at church pretending like everything is great everything is fine and then my home life was shit and inside was shit because i legit hated myself mm. for a very long time um but i didn't think that was like like it didn't feel like anything was wrong with that mm. does that make sense <laughs> like oh yeah yeah, I mean, That's like, it, yeah, <laughs> hating yourself is the baseline, my man. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it was just this constant weight of self-hatred. But I thought it was just my sin that I needed to, <laughs> you know, yes. give to Jesus. And so it was just this cycle of constantly buying in more and more out of guilt for simply just being human, for having a sexuality that's not straight. Uh, went a long time kind of hiding like that. And then my dad is an IT expert with no boundaries so <laughs> he was able to look at my internet history mm. um and i will never forget uh i was i think i was maybe a junior in high school we were it was before school started it was freezing cold outside we're sitting at this picnic table just all of my friends and all of my friends i was hanging out with were all of my church friends that happened to go to my high school mm. and my phone rings and it's my mom and i answer it and she goes are you gay oh no and I'm just like audibly to the point where I know the person next to me heard it. Oh my God. And I like immediately ran to like this open, empty area. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, are you gay? And I'm like, no, mom, I'm not talking about this with you right now. And mm. I just like hung up on her. And then throughout the day, I was getting texts from my dad and he literally picked me up from school and drove me straight to a conversion therapist to have a talk session 
of course, like all of that guilt compounds into this place of it feels right. Like it feels like my parents are helping me. Mm. Right. Because you're told your entire life that this is wrong. Feeling this way is wrong. And so, yeah, I did a shit ton of that kind of therapy. Oh, yeah. And my parents like we never talked about it again. Really? So they dropped you off and then they're like, let the conversion therapist. We just like shoot the shit and then they would give me to this person who their thing was like, God cured me of AIDS because I repented. Wait, what? Yeah, that was legitimately like their thing like i was so into the lifestyle and i repented and god cured me of aids okay okay so the therapist like that was like their flagship like their yeah their that was like their, their tagline like yeah, 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 I, yeah. I am reputable because allegedly god cured me of aids wow and then they just dropped you off and were like i don't want to know and you just never talked about it again we just didn't really talk about it. like every now and then <laughs> I knew when the conversation was coming because they'd be like, how's really your awkward. heart? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. How's your heart? Yeah. Yeah. And I knew what they meant. No, yeah, no, but basically every, every like year or two, they would like randomly bring it up. Yeah. That's just kind of how that went on. I did multiple years of talk therapy, which is just like, was it Christian talk therapy? Yes. Well, all, 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 I mean, in, in my experience, I know people, there are people who have been through horrific, like sent to camps and mm -hmm. those kind of things and just mm -hmm. terrible things. But for the most part, like the mainstream conversion talk therapy is just linking your parental trauma to your sexuality. Mm. And then if you can just forgive your parents, voila, bing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Straight as an arrow. So that, that was just, I mean, years of that. Um, which honestly probably gave me a lot more issues with my parents. I mean, my parents definitely, I definitely have issues with my parents, but I, I feel like it just, it actually prevented real healing and growth and like mm. acknowledgement of the things that they had done because I was constantly like, it's your fault. I'm like this, you know what I mean? And so I just have to forgive you for all of these horrible things. And so it, that even pushes you into a weird, very not okay space from a therapeutic perspective. I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, if you, if you think about it, right. If you're taught that, A, you're like wicked and gross, and then you're brought to a therapist and like the reason why you're wicked and gross is because your parents fucked you up royally and you need to forgive them all, and then you won't be as wicked or as gross anymore. Yeah. Then it automatically puts you in like this weird adversarial relationship with your parents, but at the same time, they're not the problem. Like, right. you're still the problem. Right. And so and you, you, need know to, you need to be able to. Yeah. And you know it. And you need to be able to like deal with that shit, like handle your shit because you right. need to get back on track with Jesus. Wow. That's what a mind fuck. I'm so sorry that happened. It's hard. And, and like even to this day, I deal with an unreal level of dissociation because of it. Grounding myself and be, being balanced is really like my constant mental task. Can you say more about that when you say like dissociation? Like what would be? It's kind of like living life on autopilot mm. where and some of it is genuine, like masking because I am on the spectrum. But the masking was kind of taught like church is just masking. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. So you were going to this therapy. How old were you when I started it? Probably. I mean, like 16 or 17. The junior, so like junior in high school. And then a little bit in college um, actually did some of the like Exodus International stuff which is a huge like conversion therapy organization 
uh, in the church and one of their leadership came out publicly recently. And so that's been a whole big thing. Is that most of this, that sort of talk it out to parents? In my experience. Yeah. Um, And then I did like a group, like I actually did two different groups group therapy kind of thing where they were taking you through like a 16 week sexual wholeness course, sexual wholeness. That's what they call it. Um, but it dealt with, it dealt with legitimate things like codependency and Mm. cycles of abuse and like some good stuff. But there's, you know, a lot of the undercurrent is for people, um, who are queer Mm. and trying to make them not, and literally like logically explained it all. Really? I threw it all away out of like, yes, Fuck this shit. Um, But I kind of wish I had saved it because I would love to just go through it and just refute it. (laughs) Just go through it and show people like this is what it is. And it's crazy that this is even like allowed. Mm. And were you leading worship this whole time? When did you start leading worship? Oh, man. I started leading worship like sophomore year of high school. Mm. And I did it a long time. Mm. Somehow got through my early... 20s and ended up meeting someone and moving away from my parents and getting married and going out to Arizona. Did your true love wait? No, it didn't. Good for you. Actually. Look at you. Wow. Well, I was still highly evangelical at the time. So mm-hmm. it's probably the reason that I ended up marrying this person. Um, of course. Or one of and the that, reasons that, that I ended up marrying yeah, that person. That um, and I mean, we were both fucked up kids who are incredibly codependent from really bad families. So it's understandable why we would just try and like essentially use each other to make each other whole. Mm -hmm. But ironically, the biggest one of the biggest wedges in our marriage was two months in. They decided to they didn't want to be a part of church anymore. Uh. And that was like what I had like that was like that's my career basically right. like that's what I want to do. Did they like deconstruct with my life? or did they just like I, they just were over it? They honestly had been through a lot of trauma, but when I look back on it too, I think because church trains us so well to be this person, especially people in ministry that was just on yeah. all the time. Yeah, when you get home, you're off. And generally, for me, that's just like I was just a shitty person. Like I was angry. I, a lot of things going on, obviously. And we just had a really poor relationship. Didn't communicate very well, but that was the wedge. And like, Oh man, if I could go back and like be a better person in that moment, then just like, no, you need to suck it up. Basically mm-hmm. is what right. I told them. And to then be in a marriage, my second marriage, my incredible wife, Rebecca, who's also on the discord. Shout out. Shout out. Yeah. Like to be in that now and then to go through my own deconstruction with her and her being in a place of she wasn't quite where I was. Now, she's like definitely we're on the same page now with a lot of things. But when it first started, it was really scary. Just the difference in that. I think that's probably my my only regret. I don't regret that we got a divorce. Um, we definitely needed to. Mm. And we've each gone on our own separate journey and I don't know what they're doing now, but I've come to a place to realize that like everybody's journey is super, super, super different. And if we embrace it with kindness and compassion and understanding, no matter where they're at, you tend to find a common ground Mm. unless they're fucking crazy. So. (laughs) First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that here at the speaking in church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church 
It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Can we like talk a little bit about the D word? Yes, please. Growing up in church, you're not even allowed to say the word divorce. Nope. You can't I was told it. I was told like don't even say it around yeah. your spouse because yeah. you're going to sow some sort of seed or something. Yeah. And I actually had been kicking around it, it's tough for me because I haven't experienced it, but I've been kicking around the idea of like pulling in like a guest or a couple of guests who can talk about like like divorce because within the evangelical context because I feel like that's something that is its own, and I know a lot of people who could probably talk for ages and ages about it and have amazing stuff to say. Can you share kind of some of your experience when you were going through that? Oh, absolutely. Um, ended up getting a divorce. I was in Tucson, Arizona, a city that I, had, I knew no one in and had no friends and went to the only place that I knew how to make friends and I felt like I needed to be, which was a church. And it was the biggest, largest charismatic evangelical church in town. They used a lot of similar language to a church I went to in like college aged. And so it felt really homey. And so, yeah, I was I was like feeling like, yeah, this this place could be my home. But I was actively going through a divorce at the time. Mm. It's this weird thing. Like there were pastors that were just kind of supportive, but didn't really say much other than like, let me pray for you. And then vague prayer. But as far as like peers and just people in the church, it was a conversation that I felt like I just like I couldn't talk to anybody, especially because I was like in my early 20s and everybody around me was like, what is marriage even like mm -hmm. that wasn't mm -hmm. even a thought. But I really felt like I couldn't bring it up because everybody gets that look on their face like, mm, you know, <laughs> right. Like, oh, oh, yeah. It's like a wah, wah. Yeah, like knocks you down. And they don't know what to say. And yeah. nothing is ever helpful. I remember. Oh, my God. So. I went to this, like, the big thing was, like, gathering at people's houses and doing worship nights. Cool. Classic. Yeah. It's Charismania classic. And we did that. And afterwards, this guy came up to me, and I kind of knew him. And he was like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> like, somebody kicked your dog. And I'm like, hi. And he's like, I heard you're going through a divorce, and I just, like, really wanted to pray for you. And so I was like, Okay. And so he like, you know, puts his hand on me as one does and just starts the weirdest shit I have ever heard. <laughs> like to this day in a prayer, he starts being like, Hey, so like, did you guys have like a pet name for each other? And I was like, Wait. I don't, I don't even remember what I said. I said something. And yeah. so he starts using that name in the prayer oh. to like God reunify them. And like, at this point I was late stage, <laughs> like I was about to sign my yeah. papers and they're here. They're like, I must want to pray for Pookie and BB that they would come Basically. back together. That's amazing. But like even weirder, like, like God reignite their passion for one another. I'm like, bro, mm. if you, if you start talking about the bedroom and <laughs> like, I'm just out. Like, and, and, but that's the thing. Like when you're in, like, especially in really like charismatic spirit led spaces, that's just normal. Like that yeah. happens. Like it's not a party if that doesn't happen. That was super weird. But in that transition phase, I ended up joining this church's, uh, internship. Mm. They're like year long 
basically like church work camp. Do you want to talk about that? I absolutely That's love to talk wild. About that. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. So this program was really well marketed at the church and was marketed to a lot of people as do this program. You will get ordained. You will get your license to be a pastor and we will either hire you ourselves or help you get hired places to work in ministry. Um, It seemed really serious and it seemed really cool. Um, And that was my thing at the time. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So I did. My first red flag should have been in the interview process when the current, when the director at the time, we changed directors like three times, twice. (laughs) Anyway, two and a half. Um, So they asked me like, hey, so as a part of this program, we do like strenuous workouts three times a week. And then looked at me and was like, can you handle that? Oh, no. And I'm not a small person. I've never been. I've struggled with maintaining a healthy weight my entire life. And now outside of church, what's really cool is I've kind of discovered like I can love my body into being healthy instead of just hating it. And people telling you that like you don't have any discipline and the Lord Mm. won't give you favor if you don't get skinnier, basically like. Mm. And of course, at the time I was like, either I get accepted into this program or I lose my apartment because my ex kind of left me high and dry with the apartment and I couldn't afford it anymore. Oh, so this was a, this was a lifeline. This was like a life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I didn't even like, like it was, but in my head, I'm I'm like, it it was the first thing in front of me. So of course it was God. So it was an open door. Yeah. 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 God is opening all these doors and I'm going to run through it. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just totally ignored the fat phobia, but I mean, it was, it constantly came up. And like I said, they did CrossFit style workouts three times a week at 5 a.m. And you had to attend? It was mandatory. For an internship program? Yeah, because they wanted everybody to look a certain way, be a certain way, have certain values. Like everybody had to have all the same things in order to be a part of this organization. So it really was a cult. Like, looking back, it really was. Uh, When you look at actual cult behavior, like it just, all the boxes get checked. So I remember there was this one girl who, oh, she was so sweet. And she's, you know, trying her best to do this internship. Uh, You know, her parents were pastors. Everybody's parents were pastors, basically, because the students in this internship were basically groomed their entire lives to be a part of it. Mm. They've been marketed to since they were sixth graders. And especially because you're like, if you don't know what to do with your life, come serve God for a year, learn how to be a real Christian, be be a leader, be a, you know, all those things. And so this was everything for a lot of these kids. And I remember she just couldn't do it anymore. And I remember specifically, like, I remember watching tears come out of her eyes during these workouts, just like not enjoying it. This is not for her. And So she left, but I remember vividly that the day after she left, they gathered us all and basically shamed her for leaving and -hmm. called her like, you know, you're not following God's path clearly because you left. Mm. And that was just kind of the culture. Like you're either in or you're out. And if you're in, you're going to do everything that we want you to do. It was wild. Even, even down to like, I remember I was, I was sitting in a room And there was a bunch of my fellow interns in the room and they came in with a camera and they were like, okay, we need somebody like we need people to shoot promos. And they went, you, you, you skipped me, you, you, everybody left. And I'm alone in this room now. And it was just very clear that like, I'm like, not one of you. Mm. And like, that's very, very clear. And, and all the time, like, I'm, I'm not going to toot my own horn. Like, I don't want to sound arrogant. I was a pretty good worship leader. 
Nice. You know yeah. when you're a good worship leader. You know when you got it. I, I mean, dude, I've been doing it since I was 15. Mm-hmm. I was 25, uh, 10 years yeah. when uh, most of the people on this internship, I, I was also the oldest. So that was kind of a wild thing of like, I'm hanging out with like 18 to 21 year olds. I'm 25. <laughs> like, And I've, you know, this is like their first time in college. And this is like my third, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it was a lot of just, huh. But these kids were also like, a lot of these kids were my leaders, <laughs> which was crazy. And that, sure. that was a whole weird dynamic of like, what you're telling me to do doesn't make sense because your brain's not fully formed, but cool. Like (laughs) a lot lot of, yeah, that was, that's a whole other thing too. But I often got passed up for worship things that just didn't make sense. And even when, even when I did, I remember one instance specifically, it was like a big Wednesday night service because that was a big deal there, Wednesday and Sunday services. And I got to lead for the Wednesday service once and the lead pastor like refused to even speak to me. He was talking to his like little buddy on the team for all the direction and stuff. And I was basically being given direction secondhand by somebody that I was supposed to be leading. Got it. And it was just, it was just, it it was so weird. And again, I don't know what that's about. That could have just been the culture there. And that makes sense too. But like, it was just, I, I constantly felt on the outside and it seemed to center a lot around appearance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and perception and yeah. Um, uh, related they like forced us to fast for 21 days twice really yeah twice it within the same year or is it across the span of within the same year well because they do so a big thing in like the evangelical churches is this 21 days of fasting and prayer at the beginning of every year gotta start your year off right yeah start the literally what it's called bro <laughs> yeah of course you gotta, <laughs> yeah. Get your life, gotta get your life centered on the right spot you know start the year strong oh man i've made that graphic i have <laughs> for free um <laughs> for free yeah but yeah no they 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 you know the start the year off right thing for the church obviously it was it wasn't mandatory you can't force people to fast which was i i have told devout christians this before and they've gone like i don't understand how they can force you to fast mm-hmm. and i'm like well when you're in a program that mind you you're paying for you're paying six thousand dollars to be there and work for them wow they housed us but they housed us in the dudes were in a double wide trailer with 10 guys all in bunk beds and only enough of a budget to get really shitty frozen food. But then they're making us work, do like SWAT team workouts <laughs> and probably not SWAT team workouts. I'm exaggerating. I am a little lazy, but like, still, it, it, that's, yeah, that's yeah. bonkers. Yeah, it, it really was with the force fasting. You have these kids who are paying to be here who are being told that if they do this program, they're going to get all this favor with God and they're going to be, you know, given ministry positions and given all these things. And so you're there and you basically have to do anything you're asked to do. And if you don't do it, there's, there might not be consequences. They might not be able to like actually do anything. If you're like, no, I'm not going to fast, but you're not going to get picked. You know, you're not going to get selected. You're not going to be given opportunities Mm -hmm. if you don't go with the flow. Yeah they can force you to fast especially if like this is it for people like me and for other people there too i mean dude there's people who literally couldn't afford to be there like they were just on payment plans but they were so convinced that this is what god wanted them to do they were donating plasma to pay for the program and working full-time jobs to pay for like their lives because the car insurance and things Mm -hmm. you know and and the church like like the internship was no joke it was eight to five every single day of the week Dang. So that leaves 
like exhausting night jobs, you know? And, and so, I mean, just the level of exhaustion and even with the forced fasting, like they were forcing people who had eating disorders to fast, mm. which is something I didn't even realize until after the fact I was having a conversation with someone and I was like, yeah, that should fuck people up. And people are still kind of recovering from it. It was, it was a lot. Does this program still exist to this day or has the whistle been blown already? I mean, thankfully it wasn't because the whistle got blown. I think they got bored. Honestly, the church rebranded and yeah, but I mean, these programs are a dime a dozen. I remember hearing Joe Lumen's interview Mm -hmm. and being like, oh my God, someone else like, Mm -hmm. because they're everywhere. Most of these major specifically I've noticed charismatic evangelical megachurch or not even megachurch even if you're up to a certain size get an internship program as soon as possible like and I've heard pastors talk about that too mm. it's like free money free labor it's for free labor it's yeah. free la- we ran that church uh, oh my god so th- my church did this event called Servolution, where the whole church was supposed to volunteer and they made all these promises to the community and this is while I was in the internship we were supposed to like completely redo the track for an elementary school, repaint another school. There were other projects I didn't even like I didn't even work on. It was like five different major projects all throughout the city. And the church was like trying to mine its own community to get all these done, which cool. If you want to do a community outreach program, that's great. But because church people, the majority of the church didn't volunteer, they basically did these programs off the internships back. Wow. I remember being there until like midnight, one in the morning. I'm like, I'm supposed to be at the church at 7 a.m. tomorrow. I'm malnourished. I'm exhausted. It was insane. And what's crazy is it took me years to realize that this whole program was was bullshit. It, it was a bait and switch because all the things they promised us, they changed directors a quarter of the way through the program. And most of those things went out the window. Mm. I can think of like a handful of people who are still in ministry. Most of them are related to leadership. A lot of people are are still Christians. They're still even go to that church regularly. But for the people who are actually benefiting from the program, only the people who were going to benefit from the beginning. Dang. And so you, you did this for how many, how long? I did it for a year. Thankfully. um, So you could do the program for three years. It was a three year program initially. And they tried to make it more legit after I left. They, did like college credit type things with like Liberty or Oral, Oral Roberts, so one of the Christian universities. And so you could get like an actual degree versus a piece of paper that says you can marry and bury people. Um, right. But like I wanted to come back for a second year, but they told me basically like you've learned all we think you can learn and goodbye. And really what it was is I didn't fit and I was turning 26. Mm. And they really didn't want anybody with opinions. Mm. Interesting. And not that I necessarily voiced my opinions that much, but I... The potential. Anybody who wasn't towing the line 100% wasn't asked to come back. So thankfully, that was kind of my exit there. Oh, gosh. I remember like a week after I found out that I wasn't going to get it and I wasn't coming back. I was helping build some set in one of the uh, one of the sanctuaries at this church. And my parents had got me all these new clothes for Christmas and I accidentally got paint on my shirt. So I went to the bathroom and I saw it was much worse than I had thought. And I went, oh, fuck. And then I heard a turd drop and I'm like, oh, who's in here? Classic. I'm like washing my hands and the stall opens and it's one of the pastors there. She's like, hey man, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm doing good. Okay. 
not even 15 minutes later, one of my fellow interns gets a text saying that this pastor wants to see me in their office. Go in there and they're like, hey, you know, you sounded upset in the bathroom. Is everything okay? I always said was fuck, by the way. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure this guy has said this a million times. So he, he's like, you know, hey, is everything okay? And I'm just like, well, it's really hard. I just found out I'm not coming back. And so I'm just trying to figure out life and things are really stressful. Like, I genuinely thought this person gave a shit. And his response was, well, maybe it's, you know, there's some just hard things going on. And that's why you've got that kind of language, you know, and maybe, maybe that's why, you know, you're not coming back, but you know, God's still going to work things out in you. And I, that was the moment I was like, maybe this place isn't like the best, you know, like Mm. things that was the first red flag of all things, but took me a long time, finally left. And then my now wife was going to a church she'd been going to for 10 years and I ended up going there and then I pastored there for two and a half years. Got it. So you guys, you left the interim program and then you were pastoring at a church. Yes. A much healthier, I mean like healthier than. Sure. Less culty perhaps. Equally culty in some ways, but, but also definitely a healthier space. Can you talk to me about kind of your faith change? Like how did the blanket start to unravel? Like what happened? I saw Shit's Creek. That's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not not wrong. Shit's Creek literally helped deprogram a lot of internalized homophobia. Say say more about that. It was the first time I had seen not only a healthy representation of pansexuality, but also just healthy queer love. Mm. Like they're they're, normalized it. Yeah, in in a way that felt authentic and like super real. And, and the way that, you know, David and Patrick's characters love each other. The scene that broke me was the, uh, sorry if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> the scene where he plays him the song. Simply the best. Yeah, simply the best. Thank you. Um, that was just a moment. That was just, it broke something in me. I remember mm. that moment very specifically. And I remember I used to hide watching Shuts Creek from my wife because I thought she wouldn't like it. Sure. And all the while she would have loved it. Deconstructing a marriage is crazy, especially at different times. You're trying to like tiptoe around each other. And who deconstructed first? So you you did first? Oh, me. Me, me, me. Um, yeah, 2020 rolled around and, you know, I was watching just madness within the church scene. I mean, we all were with election stuff and then with the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I was watching people respond in my church with Tucker Carlson. Carlton talking points from Fox News like to me legitimately going maybe your experience is different from other people who who are different than you you know and it was just like no and that was really I'm like huh and I remember sitting with my best friend in my car and they're just absolutely breaking down because they feel like such an absolute piece of shit because of their theology because of everything they've ever been told in the church and that that I think was the first crack And then what really started to break it wide open, a former uh, pastor from the church um, posted a petition for ARC, which is like, are you familiar with ARC? Maybe. This sounds familiar. It's a church planning organization for for charismatic non-denom. It's basically the Acts 19 or whatever. Yeah, Acts 29 of charismatic, yeah. And they basically released a um, petition saying, Ark, you need to address these things. And I was reading it, and it was just a bingo list of the trauma I've experienced. And reading that list, something about reading it and being like, oh, I've experienced that. 
I've experienced that. Oh, that, that resonates. Like all of that happening. It, I was just like, Oh shit. Like some, something is shifting in my brain. And so I was really, really honest with, with my pastors at the time, because despite all the shitty things they believe and the shitty things that the things that they, be, they believe make them do, they are good people who do want to love people. And I saw that because I was really honest. They were really understanding. They were ultimately expecting me to come back to their way of thinking. And that really was their motivation because they cared. And I get that. But when it becomes harmful for me, that's when I kind of have to start to break off. But I was really honest with them. They they ended up getting me into therapy. They're the, they, they paid for therapy. They referred me to like this Christian. It's a co-op of Christian therapists who are actually licensed um, and, and legitimate therapy, but they just have a faith background. And I'm like, where is the least churchy sounding bio <laughs> for these <laughs> yeah, people? Sure. And I, I, I lucked out, man. I found just an incredible therapist who was affirming, who understood church trauma. I said, I said the name of the mega church that I did the internship at and they went, Oh yeah, definitely have heard of that. <laughs> you know? And no I was kidding. like, ah, I'm in the right place. Yeah. 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 You know, cause there are Christians and progressive Christians and faith-based people who follow Jesus, who aren't assholes. <laughs> like they're out there. I had never encountered that really. So it, it was, it was, it was, it was really cool to find somebody who understood where I was coming from, saw my trauma, acknowledged it, but was also able to walk me through some of those really shaky things as I was figuring out what do I actually believe versus mm-hmm. what has been safe to believe. Cause I even, it even goes back to my childhood where the church felt safe. So I ran to it and I became it. And then it ultimately was unsafe. And so now who am I, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everybody go to therapy. Like it just, yeah, it, it got me to a place to actually, Oh, this is who I am, mm. you know? So yeah. Can you share some of the conversation around, you like expressing your sexuality to your spouse. Like, can you share a little bit about how that went down? I mean, even just the deconstructing was hard. Like, so right around the time where I was really starting to question things and starting to get into therapy is when I found the show. Yay. And I will never forget the first time I listened to it. The first episode I listened to was the hell episode with Danny Prada. And I went to college with Danny Prada, so that felt safe even. It's another degree, just another degree of... uh, Exactly. (laughs) It literally felt like my friends were talking about the thing that I've been struggling with alone Mm. by myself. Mm. Even though we didn't know each other that well. I don't even know Danny that well, to be honest. But like, it just, it felt so safe. And I was breaking down in my car crying. Because I'm like, holy shit, like people get it. And they're not burning up in flames immediately. Like... I was in that place. My wife was very much, she grew up very evangelical, but she was a bad church kid. So she got less trauma, sure, but still some of the indoctrination for sure. And she finds new things every day. Like a a big thing for her was purity culture. She didn't realize how much that affected her um, until way after I started deconstructing. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that was kind of her first crack. But yeah, I was wrestling with these big things. Like she'd come home from an exhausting day of work and I'm like, I don't think hell's real and sin is a concept. And she's like, can I take a shower? (laughs) I was way too overwhelming. I was way too much. And I know that now. And I gave her space to process. But it's new. Yeah, it was so new. When it's it's new, you're like, this is all I need to talk about this. And and you almost are like, you feel like you've been starved or something. Yeah. You're like, how much can I consume? Like, I need more. I need more. 
Yeah. yeah. It's it's like there's just like a tuning fork moment. Yes. You're like, where has this been this whole time? And where can I get more of it? Hear Adrian's voice in your ears for the next 14 <laughs> hours. <laughs> help, me, help, help me get through it, Adrian. No, but like <laughs> it, it, it. Yeah. So I realized I needed to back off and just kind of go through it myself, which is scary as hell for me. And she realized she needed to trust me enough to deal with it on my own, which is scary as hell for her. But she just wasn't in a place. She's like, I don't want to challenge everything that I know you know and that's fair i don't need to force you to do that so i gave her space and she kind of talked you know through things with some of her people and i listened to the show and eventually joined the discord and that was really helpful and then my best friend eventually who i had that conversation with started to also break away some of the harmful things deconstruct some things then i was much less alone eventually my wife started to see some of the toxicity even even in her own church at the time specifically around the church was donated some money and they were to create an or they ended up creating an adoption fund but put like very hyper specific things that you could and could not be in order to receive this money interesting specifically you can't be gay and you can't be anything other than a christian mm. um and you have to tithe regularly or you can't get this money to any church or to that church to any church, okay. to their slight How would credit. they know? How could they enforce that? If somebody had approached them and met the criteria, they would have double-checked, I'm sure, somehow. I don't know. But my wife watching that and realizing... Uh, yeah, because after I left, it was a kind of a big deal, I guess. I was able to leave well, thankfully, and they even gave me space to say something to the congregation in an email. Um, so that was cool. And they didn't edit what I said. Um and I was just essentially like, you're expected to have certain answers that I don't have anymore. So peace, like, like in the nicest terms possible. And, mm. but then after the fact, they started doing a lot of stuff on deconstruction. They did like a nine week series on deconstruction. Nice. And I caught some of the social media for it. And I'm like, you don't even know what that means. Like you keep yeah. using that word. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's not... Yeah. Ah, and so the more I heard that, the more I was just like, I, I, I needed to stay away because I don't think I intended to leave forever. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was, I was hyper optimistic and I, and I told them cause at the time I left, I was like, I don't know if I'm coming back, but I would like to. And then I just didn't. And I felt like that's where it got cold. People basically just ghosted us. Well, because they expect you to, to behave a certain way. And then, so like yeah. there, there's kind of a veneer of civility or some sort of friendship for as long as there is a chance that you're going to kind of circle back. But once you realize it's not going to happen, then people kind of like, Oh, okay. Well then it's no, you're no longer worth my time. You're no longer worth right. my friendship and effort or whatever. Yeah. What was crazy too, is my wife went to church a year and a half after I left. And so people would come up to her all the time. Again, that same voice, like, Hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like your dog has been murdered. Like, Hey, how's Josh? And her response just became, Josh is great. You should text him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you should actually, you have his number. You were his friend before he wasn't a part of your church community. Like, can you just be his friend outside of church? And that was the thing too. Like, we were really close friends with the lead pastors of this church. I mean, we like, you know, people say like, you know, you do life together in church. I mean, we did. We really Mm. did. We were there for them. I mean, my wife was their doula. No kidding. I think twice. You know what I mean? Like we, 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 these were like family people Mm. and a lot of ways I still have those feelings, but again, they wanted to really address their concerns with my deconstruction when I left. And I said, nah, it would not be helpful for me 
to get your input at this time. Sure. Because I know what you're going to say. And they felt like that was a shallowing of the relationship. You know, I was like, well, I don't want to talk about only Star Wars and nerdy shit and things that like you're interested in. I'm like, so you don't want to talk about, so we can't be friends because you don't want to talk about any one of the vast number of things that I want to talk about. But I have one little boundary around, hey, I don't want to talk about like, you know, like, please don't try and get me to come back to church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so the relationship just kind of fizzled out from there. Like, we tried because again, they were family. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you for kind of sticking to your guns. I think when you lose really substantial relationships, it can very easily become like, is this worth it? You know, like, do I, I can just play along. I can pretend I can kind of step, you know, and maybe there's certain things you certainly can't, but, but I know, but there's this feeling of like, I can tell a person what they want to hear in order to preserve a relationship or a friendship or whatever. So I'm sure it wasn't easy, but I mean, kudos to you for like, kind of sticking things true to yourself. Thanks, man. I want to invite good things to happen. Like I spent my whole life waiting for the bad thing to happen that I'm just like, you know, I, I, I want good shit to happen. And if mm. I'm not even willing to necessarily like meet someone where they're at and have a conversation, then like how, how are we ever, even as a society, how are we ever going to grow mm. if mm. we can't sit down and have a conversation with people we disagree with and it not end in bloodshed or, or terrible memes. Like it, it's, it's, we got to find that place. And so I tried. Um, but I mean, even like you said, you can sit there and pretend that's what my other best friend did for a year. And that relationship ended up just falling apart because we couldn't talk about anything real. Mm. You know, mm. you have to give people the space to process where and people the intentional space that they ask for if they don't want to talk about things. But also you have to come to a place where you can at least address the hurt around it or else you'll never be able to move forward. Yeah. And, and speaking about moving forward, I feel like that lends itself to kind of like this new kind of chapter here. I'm really glad to have been able to be working as closely with you as I have. It, it feels very kind of kind of wild um, that we've been working together now. How has it been the last, what, three episodes now? How has it been like coming over and, and being behind the scenes and doing all I that mean, stuff? It's a dream. Oh, <laughs> you're just it, telling me that because I'm not I'm paying though. you. Hold on. I mean, you are, <laughs> but like, so as a kid, like I always wanted to be a part of the things I love. Like I wanted to help create the things I love. That was always just a weird desire. And I don't know if it's just being a creative person or being an Enneagram for, for whatever reason, even worship. Like I got involved in worship because I saw how like at the time it felt so awesome and impactful. I want to be a part of that. Mm. And it was the same thing with the RCK. Like it's such an awesome impact on my life personally that I was like, if there's an opportunity to get to help make this thing, like that is literally a dream job for me. So yeah, it's, it's been a dream. I want to say this, like it has been a really cool partnership. Like I I think I'm pretty sure you reached out to me when I was in a pretty shitty spot. I was in a pretty shitty spot in the month of April and May, June, um, July was pretty bad. <laughs> I was in a pretty shitty <laughs> spot for a while. Um, this year's been fun for you. It's been a weird, it's been a great year. Um, no, but you reached out and you were like, Hey, if there's like anything I can do. And I just remember like kind of just kind of venting to you about all the different things that I had no answers for. I had no idea. Um, and so really like I, and I, I, I mean this a million percent, like, I don't think this show would be able to like DRCK as a whole. I don't think I would be able to continue making it if it wasn't with, with your help. Um, I think you've been super, super 
pivotal in helping me kind of translate kind of some of my ridiculous ideas into something that feels tangible. And you've been able to kind of go, I, I, I'm kind of good at like throwing things against a wall, but I'm not the best at like figuring out how to execute sure. on those things. That's a, that's, it's a specific skill set, and you need both. Yeah. And, and so I think you've been super helpful for me because you've been able to bring a level of experience and you're, you're really fucking good at what you do. Oh, um, thank and you, so, man. and I think it's been, and it shows, I think, I don't know. I'm just very excited. I think it was before, coming back, it really felt like, I don't know how this is going to work in my mind. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. Sure. There was a moment where I was like, okay, I might be able to try this thing, but in order for this idea, this sketch or this segment or whatever to work, like I'm going to need help doing it. Um, and so I'm, I'm just, you know, even if it was like, I'm looking, I'm thinking specifically like like the Godway segment with Janice that I did a couple oh, months ago. So that was fun. That was a ton of fun. But I think you really helped put it together. I kind of just told you an idea. I was like, what if we did like a, like a Broadway compilation album? And then, you and know, then I you, couldn't stop sending you song lyrics. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm a Broadway nerd. <laughs> yeah, right. Me too. Um, so no, all that to say, I'm just really appreciative of you. Um, I feel like I need to refer to you as Delbridge or Delbreezy or Del Bridgerton. Do you have a nickname? You know what? I have hated every nickname everybody <laughs> has ever given me, except Delbreezy. I, I have genuinely thought about changing that to my gamer tag because I, I don't know what it is, man. I just, it just, it fits. Great. Well, then you're going to live. I, I'm, I'm going to dub the Delbreezy from here on. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, is there anything you would share with any of the bad apples listening to this who, um, I don't know, maybe you're going through some of the stuff that you've been through mm. or who are hearing you the same way you heard other folks and were like, holy shit, that was me. You know, is there anything you would kind of leave listeners with? Wow. Um, trust yourself. I think so much of the evangelical experience is telling you how wrong you are, but the reality is you're right. When it's for you, when you know it's the best thing, even if it's scary, even if it's hard, even if it means, even if it might mean your whole world turning upside down, trust yourself because your internal voice is wise. It's been with you your whole life. It knows the things you've been through. It knows your trauma. When we learn to trust it, we like good things happen. Mm, that's beautiful. I love it. Delbreezy, thank you for this. Let's do a yeah, quick sip, smoke, read, shall we? You got it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sip, smoke, read. Breezy, this is the segment, as you know, because you've edited them. Uh, what are you sipping, smoking, reading? What are you enjoying, kicking back with and relaxing? Can you share with the class? Yeah, sure. So sipping, I don't I don't really drink a ton of alcohol. I used to, but then I started smoking weed, and that has just been everything for me. So I'm such a lightweight now. But we went to, last night or two nights ago, we went to a speakeasy here in town. Yay, love a speakeasy. That has a rotating theme every couple months and it was star wars no way so it was 
epic. Like the menu, they changed the menu or the whole decor? The in everything. No The way. entire aesthetic and all the drinks are custom. That's rad. Yeah. Uh, it, it was wild. I had green milk, <laughs> which yeah. uh, was cool. fantastic. My wife had a Boba Fett, which had uh, popping strawberry bobas in it. And it was mm. like a strong ass margarita. A Boba so, Fett. That was pretty great. Um, as far as smoking, I use this guy. It's the dry herb vape. That is intense. Yes. I'm firing it up now. Um, it's basically a weed oven. Because <laughs> I know you said before that like smoking is just sucks on yes. your respiratory system. And yes. mine's, it, it's not great for me either. Um, but this is just the cleanest way because there's no paper involved. It's mm. literally just like a vapor. So there's no, no, no ashy. There's nothing that's like ashy. Nope. That you're like, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's been a game changer. And I lately I've been loving terrible name green crack. Um, mm. It's a it's a sativa dominant. Um, and yeah, it's my go to for being productive, for being social. Um, no kidding. Great. Yeah. Does it give you like like the silly, silly fun boys or is it more just like a sharpness <laughs> and a clarity? It's a pen. Yes. Yes. It just depends on how much you smoke and for why you're smoking. Got it. it. You can kind of guide your own experience once you like once your tolerance gets past the like, oh, my God, every time I'm on Mars, uh, once yeah. once that kind of dies down and you can be more functional, you can you can smoke like you can kind of choose your experience. Huh. I might need to check that out. I might need to talk to you about that. That sounds great. Yeah, man. So that's sipping, that's smoking. Mainly, I watch TV um, and movies. <laughs> that's normally my thing. Uh, we actually saw two nights ago, The Woman King. Have you seen that one? No. Tell me about it. It is Miss Viola Davis, who is just a vision in this movie. Mm. It is based on either true events or an actual true story of a tribe in Africa in the early 1800s that had two armies, but they specifically had an army that was all women. I mean, just the most intense warriors I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it was That's crazy. Sick. And so it's this whole story of them essentially fighting back the tribes that are partnering with the Europeans coming to colonize and and start the slave trade or the slave trade's alive and well. And mm. so basically fighting back again because, and this, I didn't like, we've been given such a disservice in our history. I had no idea that essentially they were creating civil war amongst these tribes to mm. basically sell their captives. So they weren't saying sell necessarily like sell your mom. They were saying, sell the guy you're going to kill anyway. Mm. But then that creates this machine of the entire country. So it just, it was powerful. Yeah, it sounds like a good movie. It personalized history for me in a way as a white person that I just, I needed. It was great perspective and it's just a badass movie with a great plot. So cool. All right. All right. I'm adding it to the list. So that was great. Um, I also saw Bros recently. We were talking about it in the Discord a little bit. It is uh, Billy Eichner from uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. He basically did like the Judd Apatow rom-com for queers and it is the no kidding. Best. It is. Oh, that sounds. It great. is not only funny. It is just such good representation of the queer experience. There's a specifically spoiler kind of a scene on the beach where he's just talking about his own experience, and you can tell he's talking about his personal experience, not just the characters. And it was just everything. But yeah, hilarious. I think we're gonna watch it every Christmas. I love it. That's. That's great. Because it, it's just great. Yeah. Um, which, yes, to answer your question from way earlier, yes, I came out to my wife. It was pretty rocky at first just because it was a new dynamic. But it's just become she's the most healthy and supportive human ever. 
That's amazing. Shout out to Rebecca. Thank you for being a healthy and supportive human. Yeah, Rebecca's the best. Absolutely the best. So yeah, Bros was great. And then TV wise, we've real quick, She-Hulk was great. If you haven't seen She-Hulk yet. Oh, okay. Okay. I need to check it out. Highly recommend. Very meta. Very okay. cool. Rebecca and I have been watching a lot of Star Trek. Mm, which one? So we used to watch Star Trek when we were really young. It's kind of nostalgic for us. And they just came out with a bunch of new Star Trek. So there's like a new show called Discovery, Strange New Worlds. And then they did like a Picard show too. And a hilarious animated series called Lower Decks. So we've just been kind of watching all of it and loving every minute of it. Sweet. I never was like a Star, Star Trek boy, but the people who love it, love it. I feel like I should give it a shot. It's really good. Is it like Doctor Who where you're like, it's like you, you people who love it are because it's based on a foundation of years and years and seasons and seasons. I mean... Uh, it's like Doctor Who in the sense, I mean, yes, it's like Doctor Who like that, but it's also Doctor Who in the sense of like, it takes really outlandish storylines to communicate really human ideas. Cool. And it's, you're like, have all the feels plus there's action and it's great. And then finally, my new obsession, have you seen the show Big Mouth? Yes. I'm not caught up, but yeah, it's, it's a riot. Dude, <laughs> it, it has done something for me as someone who didn't get good sex education going up in oh, church. Oh, yeah. That, well, even just the normalization of really awkward, embarrassing shit that happens in puberty. Yeah. If you haven't watched, if you can get past the first episode, you'll be good. Right. Because I, I, I couldn't for like a year. I tried like multiple times. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not like, ready. I'm not ready. Too much trauma. Yeah. Need, yeah. To, need, need to go to more therapy. And then finally, I, I, I started, I've, I've been able to catch up and yeah. The fact that it's Nick Kroll and John Mulaney just makes it dream team even better, which we're seeing John Mulaney in a week. I'm so Yay. excited. Nice. Let me know how that is. Yeah, I will. How about you, man? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, Josh, uh, none of my guests asked me how I'm doing. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a jam at, uh, you know, I, I everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone. <laughs> you know, I like, I like legit. I'll like bring on like folks. And I'm like, I'll t I guess I'll just talk. I mean, you're not going to ask. So I'll just talk. So thank you for asking. It's your job for the transition. <laughs> yeah, right. I got uh, you, man. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I finished the series. So the series finale of C starring Jason Momoa dropped last night or Friday. Rather, I watched it and it was pretty good. I, I feel like the first couple seasons were great. The last season was like fine. You know what I mean? First two seasons were solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, and then there are certain parts of the show and I'm looking back at it, I'm like, this is a bit ridiculous. But the parts that like were cool, really fucking cool. So I, I would say I still recommend watching. I'm trying to think what other, oh, we are almost caught up with the show Succession. Okay, I want to start that. It's a good show. If you're into a kind of like a, like a. Is it like Mad Men? It feels like Mad Men to me from the outside. It's, it's like corporate, it's current era. So it's not like Mad Men in that sense. But it's certainly about like every single one of the main characters is flawed and and unlikable in some way. And then they're likable in some other way. So there Got isn't you. like one. What I like about the show is like so many shows, there's like a hero mm -hmm. and you follow this hero and like they might have some flaws, but overall they're great. Yeah. Whereas in this show, like every single character is like kind of fucked in some way or another. <laughs> and they're also like kind of lovable and endearing in some way too so it's it's, it's like to me like the storytelling is pretty complex because i both like absolutely hate some characters and then i'm like i also love them mr robot does it have that vibe because that's kinda... i haven't seen mr robot so i couldn't okay I couldn't say. oh man um, okay but but i would say watch I, I know some people who are like i don't really care for 
kind of like corporate drama. <laughs> so I, I would say give it like give it like a, a solid four episode try. Okay. Try for four episodes. You got it. And after four, if you're like, this isn't for me, it's probably you're probably not gonna love it. But by the end of those four, you might be like, okay, because it does get pretty good. And then Alyssa and I watched the original 1993 Hocus Pocus. I tried. The original Hocus Pocus? Half of it. Didn't like I got it. half of it. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry I to people who the- love it. I just I I couldn't. Okay. <laughs> See, what's funny is there are certain movies, and, and here's why, and I'm gonna get to this, but Hocus Pocus is an example of a 90s movie that, yes, there is kind of some nostalgia, but I didn't have a lot of nostalgia for it Mm. because I didn't celebrate Halloween. So I never would have watched that movie. But here's what I will say. There are some movies that you have to have grown up with in order for you to still enjoy. Mm, And I, I think, in my opinion, Hocus Pocus is actually a good, to me, I liked the movie. It was fun for, you know, I, I liked it. However, we also watched a movie last night called Practical Magic. Oh, Sandy. Sandy B. Yep. Starring Sandy B, Sandra Bullock, and Nicole Kidman based on a book. It was filmed in 1998, I believe. I watched that. Did not care for it. All right. And people messaged me, and I shared it on my Instagram, and I was like, didn't love it. And people were like, you're the fucking worst. You're, you're, <laughs> you're a fool. Be gone. And I think that's an example of a movie where it's like, you need to have grown up with it for you to still love it. Because if you're watching it cold, not great. Yeah. I mean, Space Jam is, is, is a nightmare if you watch it. <laughs> right. But I love, I'm sure if I watch it, I'm like, I'd be like, this is great. I had Space Jam sheets. I love Space Jam. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I can't say the same for the new one. But <laughs> I haven't seen it and I probably won't just because I just don't think it's going to be great. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was watching. As far as sipping, I also haven't really been drinking much. I'm like a cocktail boy, so I enjoy making and I enjoy having fun drinks, but I don't love being dehydrated and a little bit hungover and like not being able to like function as well. I like to feel good in my body. Yeah. We basically, we had a a wine subscription to like a small wine shop here in Fort Lauderdale and we canceled the wine subscript because we're like, we just don't. We're not, we're not churning through. We have like four bottles of wine that we just have not gotten through. Um, so we're like, you know what? I'm going to save the money and I'll buy a bottle whenever I need a bottle kind of a thing. I'm still kind of looking for Prosecco drinks. There's this TikTok viral drink that I'm going to make. Oh, yeah. Uh, an, a Negroni Spagliato. Ooh, that sounds fancy. Yes. Uh, essentially, it is a it's Campari sweet vermouth. And, and where a standard Negroni is gin, a Negroni Spagliato uh, replaces gin for Prosecco. And I love a Prosecco cocktail. So that sounds refreshing. So at some point, yeah. So if anyone wants to just buy me a bottle of Campari or Sweet Vermouth (laughs) so I don't have to spend my own money to get to try one cocktail, you know, you heard it here, folks. I could, I I will accept. I can't stop thinking about that moment in the office where they're like a glass of Campari, I suspect, or something (laughs) like, do you remember that? And they're like, like, sorry, Michael, that's an inside joke. And he's like, "Uh, I love inside jokes. Can't wait to be part of one someday. (laughs) So good. I love. I realized so I am Michael recently, and that changed the office for me. It just <laughs> oh, I did because everybody wants to be Jim, and then they grow up and they realize they're not. But like, mm. I mean, know? I am Jim. But go ahead. No, yeah, but, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> people who are Jim are some of my favorite people. So don't get me wrong. But I am Michael, like a hundred percent. I That's say great. dumb shit that I don't think about. I love it. Time. <laughs> and Michael is is lovable, incredibly lovable. He's the best. No, he's he the best. he he really becomes the best. 
he grows a lot but yeah. also like you realize he's like an incredibly traumatized human i know <laughs> like if you really like he had the worst childhood his mom tried to make him like, he's an unsuccessful child actor there's like little <laughs> details that you don't even remember but, like, yeah, I know. yeah love it love it love it i think that's it for me i i uh sipping i'm not really smoking um i'm still doing i have a like a like a delta eight tincture from botany Farms, still like I, I do love it i think i'm like because i don't really smoke edibles and like tinctures has kind of been my jam but i might need to get on the on the vape train if, if what you're saying tracks yeah for sure like i hate the carts okay. so the carts destroy me doing it but yeah if it's like a medical grade oven absolutely <laughs> dang all right all right sweet well, this has been a lot of fun. Del Breezy, I appreciate you being on the show with me. This has been super, super cool. I'm really excited to see what the future holds, my man. Yes. So excited, man. Thank you so much. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this October edition of the Patreon exclusive, exclusive, exclusive episode of Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Keep up the dirty work, everyone. And remember, it's, it's all, all going to be okay. okay. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.